That song just fires me up. That's my earliest, strongest impression of my first annual conference. Was whenever I went to annual conference and we began worship service remembering the loved ones who had died before us. And that congregation across the annual conference that all the ministers and spouses gathered, including those who had been retired. And they sang that song and the building was about to burst. For they knew it by heart and they treasured it so deeply that I was moved beyond anything I had expected or probably have since experienced except when we sing that song. The very thought, the very idea that the, the saints are alive and among us even as we worship and work throughout the world overwhelms my puny little mind. To think that those who have died in Christ are really alive in Christ and that their spirits are among us as well as in us, and their memories fill our hearts. So this morning, I have a few directions for you. First of all, the service of communion this morning will honor our saints and members who have known them, and most especially and most often their family members, will bring a rose following them in the middle of the communion service. As we remember those who passed away this past year who were members of this fellowship of the saints. And then one will bring a rose forward who recognizes all the saints of our families who are scattered across these, this world that we know in other places. As we remember those, we want to celebrate that. And then we're going to have another rose for the first time this year that has been remembered in the very beginning from the church. And perhaps it even had more power in those early centuries when they began to celebrate All Saints Day. They will remember those who have been martyred in the past year, died for the cause of Christ, given their life and lost their life, and who are alive with Christ forever. We will celebrate and remember all of those lives. And of course, we will remember the one who made this celebration possible, the author and perfecter of our salvation, Jesus the Christ, the very Son of God, who was sent in order that the purposes of God might be fulfilled and that we might become a part of the saints and the communion of those around the world. Imagine all the saints of the church. And you're thinking, man, that's a lot of churches. No, I don't think you're big enough yet. Think about all the saints of the church, those in this world, and those who are on just that thin line, that thin veil, who gather around us for worship every time we gather as the body of Christ. We are never alone. We are never just this puny little organism called a local church. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are spiritual powers and dominions encircling us, surrounding us, and guiding our every step if we just adhere to them, if we just listen to them. You would not be here today except some saints told you about the Lord Jesus Christ. Your history of faith, your touch with the Creator, made known in the person of Jesus Christ who lived in the flesh among us, is to be celebrated today with abandon, is to be shouted to the heaven. It is to make you for sure that you are not afraid. The things of this earth are puny. They are nothing. Your trials on this earth are nothing to the Almighty God who can overcome them. Now, if you're expecting to be shed of all the earthly trials and to live in the dipsy doodle land of, of Cherry Street, forget that. We're celebrating the lives of martyrs today. We're celebrating the lives of those who never saw the victory on earth, but who died in faith and have now seen that crown. 
We are celebrating a faith that is bigger than earthly life. It is broader than our ability to comprehend it. It is indeed the army of the people who claim Jesus Christ as their Savior. And this passage of Scripture today, I could stay here for a week and not get through. You should be a little frightened. I don't have very good vision because of the problem I had with an eye, so I can't see well, but my memory is fine. I could preach and preach and preach on this great passage of Scripture. I think there's a football game, but who cares about that, right? All right. This passage of Scripture really is organized around a, a methodology that is familiar to Greek rhetoric. Verses 11 through 14, where Cindy started reading, are really a hinge section of this passage that are hinging together the thoughts before and the thoughts that come after. Now, the before part, or the opening verses in verses 1 through 10, about the extraordinary blessings of God that are destined and predestined for those who are faithful, for those who are the saints, if you will. The hinge section winds that up and also propels it forward into the prayer that Paul prays for the church at Ephesus and indeed for us as well. In verses 15 through 23, that is the prayer that Paul has for these saints that he's remembering at that particular time. Can you imagine how powerful that prayer is now? After Paul has been in the heavenly places with Jesus for all these centuries, can you imagine how powerful his prayer is for you today? Can you imagine How many people are being blessed by the ongoing prayers of the saints who are watching and participating spiritually with us, only separated by that tiny little veil that separates the earthly from the heavenly? It's the only thing that really keeps us from just being swallowed up into a spiritual realm of which we only get glimpses of while we're on earth. This hinge section functions in a dual capacity to join together this idea of the blessings of God and what God has planned, predestined, if you will, and what will come about through his son, Jesus the Christ. Now, when we think about this passage, the first thing we want to deal with is this big idea, this big passage about this scripture. Many of the people who are part of the Reformation churches in this country, they love this passage of scripture, and well, they should. But we want them to know also that Wesleyans love this passage of Scripture as well. And we claim it as the bedrock of our faith even as they do. So let's look at what God says here quickly. First of all, God is the one who destines. Our salvation is always at the prerogative of God. Without God, no one would be saved ever. God had to bring about his will to save us all because we were not capable of following our Lord God. His will is for the church, the saints, if you will. To be saved, his will is for each of us to be a part of this church universal. But if you keep reading, you start noting what he says in this, in this chapter and the verses that follow. His will for those who have set our hope on Christ, his will for those who have made that choice and have chosen to hear the word of truth that is the gospel And his will for those who chose to believe it, to trust in its power for their lives, are the saints. They are the ones who are predestined to have the gifts and the blessings that he describes in verses 1 through 10. They are the children of the resurrection. All of those who've hoped, all of those who have 
heard and claimed the word of truth that is the gospel, and all those who have believed are predestined to live eternally with a God. And the benefits of that relationship that has started is already flowing in. We're already living it, aren't we? We're already enjoying it. It's happening right now. Our resurrection, in a, a real sense, goes on continually until that final resurrection from earth when we're taken to be with the Lord in heaven. Now, as we think about that, and we think about these things that he's talking about, we start beginning to celebrate who we are in Christ and what it means to be his children. These ones, you, me, every believer around the world in every century, we are all predestined because we have hoped in Christ, believed in Christ, and trusted the gospel that message that we have chosen to hear are the ones who will live forever. It's not like God reached out and, predict, and predestined that some would be saved and others not. No, that's not what the text says. I, I know there are those who would quarrel who have a Reformation theology, and I don't have enough time to straighten that out today. But they have a belief, and even in their belief, they know that hope and trust in Jesus is, is important too. We're, not, we're just a shade difference in the way we talk about this this struggle. We all know that without God, none of us would be saved. This inheritance says that these children, us, our children, you, we are marked for resurrection by the Holy Spirit. We are children of God because we have a relationship because of the work Jesus Christ did upon the cross that we celebrate in Holy Communion today. We become a part of the community, the family of Christ, the church, across denominations, across this world, across centuries, indeed even across time, till we are all united as the children of God who are marked for redemption, for resurrection. If that doesn't get you excited, it's because you don't get it. Some people just don't get it. They're still trying to think they're pretty much good enough to go to heaven. And after all, what have I done so bad enough that God would condemn me to hell? Well, let me, tr- let me assure you that if you've not hoped in Jesus Christ alone as your salvation, and you've not trusted in him for that salvation to be real on this earth and the next, you will find out someday what you fail to do that will make all the difference in your life. Now, I know this possibility that some of you sitting out there say, well, aren't all pretty good people going to heaven? And all pretty good people aren't necessarily going to heaven. I know some pretty good people who are going straight to hell. You say, oh, preacher, listen to you. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. They don't know the Savior. We're not saved because we're good enough. I've known some saintly people. I've worked beside them for over 38 years, some people that make my mouth fall open. They're so holy, but they're not holy enough to go to heaven. Trust me. Better still, trust the Scriptures. Because they are clear, even as Jesus said, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, only one is truly good, and that is the Father. We have to claim that as our starting place. We have to understand that the battles we fight on this earth are not about some people getting to a better heaven than others. It's about people going to heaven or hell. We're not talking about 60 or 70 years on earth or 80 or 90 if you're lucky. We're talking about eternity. Your great, 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 however many greats you want to put, they, who died in faith are still alive. There's time. You think you've been on earth a long time? You haven't got started yet. Forever, eternity is beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our comprehension that we actually, us, shed of this body, us that's inside this body that we wear here on earth, will one day 
be resurrected into a body that will live without age forever. Yeah, it is worth clapping for. Hallelujah. Those are the blessings that we have in Christ. We don't come to the communion table to remember that Christ died. We come to celebrate with thanksgiving that we live forevermore because he died. You can't come and take this bread and this body and this juice to remind you of his blood shed and just go, yeah, here we are again. The juice is a little warm this week. I didn't get enough bread or I got too much bread. That's not what communion's about. Those are symbols representing that we are remembering that our life came at a cost. You think you suffered for your child to live. And, you know, there are periods of suffering in raising children, right? Can I hear an amen from the parents? Well, you know what? There are also some struggles if you're a child trying to raise a parent. Can I hear an amen from the children? Yeah, yeah. It's a two-way street. This isn't any bargain for either, either of us, trust me. But the reality is, on this All Saints Day, that we're gathered here today to celebrate something bigger than us all. And we need to live as people who understand that we are this tiny segment of a world that is bigger than we can comprehend We're talking about giving our all. I'm going to ask you today when you come to receive communion that you mark your gifts if you can, if no in no other way than in prayer, that everything you live on this leave on this chancel rail today is left with one thing on your heart and mind in memory of the saints who gave us this church, who gave us spiritual life, who continue to support us as they pray for us in that world beyond this world. I want every dollar to get on my envelope I wrote in memory of the saints. Because you know who would be here today if it weren't for the saints before us? None of us. Parents, grandparents, friends, neighbors, people who preach on TV, people who witness on the corner, anybody who runs into you at work and shares the gospel of Jesus Christ because they're a believer is a saint. And they are passing on to you an inheritance that is precious It is so precious. When we read and we sing that song for all the saints, the number of people who've touched my life astounds me. The number of people who've prayed for me is incredible. The number of people who built this church since the early 1900s and who died in faith and continue to give witness in the heavens for this congregation of the saints is innumerable. But many can be numbered. When you pray today, when you worship today, when you take the sacraments, don't just think about the people who were here 10 years ago. Some of you have been here much longer than that. I want you to remember the saints. One pastor tells a story that was in one of the books I read about going to All Saints Day to celebrate, when he was going to celebrate communion, when he got to it. He was kind of dreading it because he knew he was going to have a small crowd in that smaller church, and sure enough, there weren't that many there. And he began to read the liturgy. At one point in that liturgy, he remembered and read the words about being thankful for all those before us. And he paused. He said, forgive me, congregation, for thinking that we were the only ones present. You're lucky you get a seat today because there are people wedged in all around. You say, well, I got seats all around me. No, you don't. If you move over, you're going to bump into a half a dozen saints sitting on every chair. 
They're filling this place with their presence. And they don't, don't do it on All Saints Day to come to be recognized. They do it every time we worship. They do it every time we have meetings. They do it every time we witness. They surround our lives with their presence and pray for us continually. We are not alone, and we should live like it. And that's why then we could join the children in singing, We are not afraid. Let the troubles of life come. So what? What are you going to get? A few years of my life? I'm already marked for resurrection. You can have a few years and I'll up you times 1,000 thousands. Because I'm going to live forever. You can't cheat me out of anything that's really worth having. A few earthly years? Sure. But that's about all you get because I already have eternity because I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit and I know the Holy Spirit lives within me and I am able to remember it because the Spirit continues to bear witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. So this world cannot hold me in fear, period. And it should not hold you either. As we come today, however, we have to be real. We have to be truthful because we come on this saint's day to remember those who've died this previous year. I'm going to read their names in a few moments. I can tell now that I've been here a little longer as the years have begun to pile up because when I look at this list that we're going to read and I think about those names, I knew most of them pretty well. Today, when we celebrate and remember their names, we're going to pause a little longer than normal when we read their names because I want you to remember them. I want you to remember specifically what they did and said for you that you treasure in your heart. I don't want you to just say, oh, well, I remember Pat Swindle. I want you to have a specific memory attached to it. I remember Pat Swindle, the guy who had a joke and a sly mind, who was always kidding with me when I'd walk in. Big old tall, lanky rascal who was always, always here. I can't even forgive him. He fathered Gary. Is Gary? He's right there. I want to be sure he's there. Pat, I can remember Betty who greeted me every Sunday at the door that she was here. I remember little Hope, who could not speak, but praised the Lord with what life she was given, and smiled that her fathers and family grasped, and we do too. I remember Ray Warren and Nikki Lack. I remember all of them. I don't remember Frances well. I knew her for a short time, and I didn't know Summer Scott, but others of you did. Think about them and their contribution to your life and praise God for what they offered his kingdom. Think about the ones of your loved ones who worshiped in other places who you're remembering this day who are no longer with you and think about what they contributed to their life. Don't just come to this communion rail casually. Don't come down here to take this bread and juice as if you're just doing something that doesn't matter. It matters. And it matters because those people were real and they touched your lives. Remember the martyrs who are being killed because they're Christians around this world. They've done nothing wrong except declare they believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
Martyrdom is a little strange to us in the United States. We've been blessed so much for so long that we forget that there are still places where to call yourself Christian means your life is threatened and endangered. Remember them all. And first, remember the one who God predestined to live for us, who predestined that he sacrificed his life willingly. And so when Jesus made that decision to accept the Father's will and to go to the cross, then the plan and the divine plan of God was set, and it will not change until there's a new heaven and a new earth. How precious, how precious are the saints. How precious are you. And all your frailties, every one of you, are precious. I want to pray for you. Father God, as these, your children, come to this chancel rail, I know that as they come, they will have in their hearts and minds the memory of those that they are struggling with emotions of missing them and also struggling with the idea of what a great gift they were to them. We know that in death we grieve, and so we shall today again. But we also know that in death and in our grieving, we also celebrate eternity. The witness that you have, that you marked these people for resurrection and for eternal life. And so we come, but we do not come as those who grieve without hope. For our hope is in Jesus Christ, who died for us all. Our confidence is in the Holy Spirit who reminds us we belong to God and forever shall. And so in this spirit, we come today to commune as a part of your great world church. Church of the past, church of the present, and the church of the future that we celebrate today with the presence of our children singing songs of worship and praise of the one they love. Be with us now as we continue in the spirit of remembrance and this time of communion. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.